0: Like church. Why don't you all join us? I'm going to sing Hosanna. a seat. We have announcements. Yay, announcements.
1: Good morning. Wow. All right. So, first thing, very first thing, we have birthdays. We have we have Kai, and we have Tammy are having a birthday today, so um, be sure and uh, say happy birthday to them, and uh, I think there's probably, I hear there's a, a special seat for them upstairs after, after service, which uh, ties into uh, right after service today, we have um, a lunch and a business meeting. Um, the meeting part will be short. Lunch part should be fun. Um, we need to uh, want everybody to come up and have lunch. Members are, um, are the only ones that can actually vote. But um, if you're not a member, don't worry about that. Come on up and have lunch and fellowship. Uh, the Youth group will be meeting tonight at 530. And I think that's all I got. So, all right, let's uh, continue with worship.
0: All right, you can stand as you as you wish. You probably all know this one.
2: In my safe
0: of our heart, and and that you are our story and our song. That turned us inside out, and love covers everything. Amen, amen.
3: All can take a seat. You're dismissed to Kids Rock. So you know we use technology to help us out
4: in life, and uh, I discovered something this morning. My, uh, I have this, cool little tablet that connects to my keyboard it you know it's a laptop it comes apart well they put the delete button right next to the detach button and so I was singing along and I'm holding the detach button it's not coming up and I look down and the text is just disappearing (laughs) so anyway you know what's really cool about technology they have this thing called undo it is an important piece of technology Don't you guys wish we had that for our lives? Like do something and like
3: undo, undo.
4: (sighs) There's a level of reality to that truth. Hey, you guys! This morning we're changing gears. Uh, we're going to jump into Jeremiah, and uh, I'm going to try and do an introduction for that, and and hopefully we'll begin uh, this process. But I want you to understand that I'm I'm a little nervous about this, just because it's it's a big book. It's it's a completely different style uh, of writing. In fact, we'll look at we'll look at some of the challenges that come with uh, dealing with Jeremiah this morning. Um, if you, in your in your notes you may have a pile of of uh, of things in there. I, I don't know. I actually didn't even see them this morning, so I don't know what all you have in there. Uh, but I'm going to give you like seven different types of literature, uh, some of the challenges that show up in Jeremiah and make it kind of tough to teach through. Um, it's also a large book, and Julie uh, gave me our dates uh, for Mark. It turns out that we were in Mark for two years and two months. Just felt like a, a weekend, didn't it? For some of you, I was talking to somebody this morning, they're like, yeah, pretty much our whole time being here at church. It's been great. And uh, I'm not going to make any promises, but I'm not planning on retiring in Jeremiah. So uh, I know that we have, uh, there's different t- styles of teaching and we're going to attempt to do some of that. But there's times where, where in Jeremiah we're going to look at very, very intimate details of what's happening. And this morning's going to be one of those times. And there's going to be other times where we're going to back up and look at a broad, a broad uh, a group of texts because it's dealing with a major issue uh, and addressing stuff that Israel is going through. Uh, But that's that's the plan. That's where we're going. And um, I'm hoping that you're encouraged this morning as I've been encouraged. Um, I was complaining to the elders about not feeling qualified to teach Jeremiah. And uh, so as we read chapter one, you will probably get a little bit of a giggle out of that uh, because Jeremiah has the same response to God's suggestion that he goes and does something that he's told to do. So I didn't get a lot of sympathy from the elders. This week, as we were, as I was complaining about my, my feeling of inadequacy. Uh, Let me read first for you, we're just going to look at the first 10 verses this morning, and then I want to share with you some details about Jeremiah and where we're at in this. And then, Lord willing, we're going to take just a moment and look at this call uh, that Jeremiah receives, and and it'll be in two parts, uh, but we're going to dive into it this week. So jump into Jeremiah chapter 1, starting in verse 1, and we'll read through verse 10. Jeremiah... 1-1. One, one. The words of Jeremiah, the son of Hilkiah, one of the priests who were in Anathoth, in the land of Benjamin, to whom the, Lord, or the word of the Lord came in the days of Josiah, the son of Ammon, king of Judah, in the thirteenth year of his reign. It came also in the days of Jehoiakim, the son of Josiah, king of Judah, until the end of the eleventh year of Zedekiah, the, king, the son of Josiah, king of Judah, until the captivity of Jerusalem in the fifth month. Now the word of the Lord came to me saying, before I formed you in the womb, I knew you. And before you were born, I consecrated you, you a prophet to the nations. Then I said, ah, Lord God, behold, I do not know how to speak for I am only a youth. But the Lord said to me, do not say I am only a youth for to to all to whom I send you, you shall go and whatever I command you, you shall speak. Do not be afraid of them, for I am with you to deliver you, declares the Lord. Then the Lord put out his hand and touched my mouth. And the Lord said to me, Behold, I have put my words in your mouth. See, I have set you this day over nations and over kingdoms to pluck up and to break down, to destroy and to overthrow, to build and to plant. We're going to stop there so part of what we see in jeremiah and we see that in the the very first part of the passage is explaining who he is and where he's at in this timeline Uh, And so part of the work that I got to do this week was going back and looking at some timelines. And there's some there's some pretty neat stuff that we actually see happening right now. Um, One of the things that we're going to see here in just a little bit is that Josiah was one of the good kings of of Judah. He was one of the good ones. He started out very young. And Jeremiah is coming into uh, he's being called by God uh, around the 13th year of Josiah's reign. And so here's Josiah. He's one of the good kings and he's reigning in Jerusalem or in Judea. Uh, and and God comes and calls Jeremiah. Into this relationship with him. Uh, now we also know that Israel was taken captive somewhere around seven twenty-two. So uh, you know this is six twenty-seven, about a hundred years before that. Israel has been taken into captive uh, captivity. There's all kinds of conflict in the land. The Babylonians are, are going around and and uh, raiding and and taking over nations and and countries. In fact, ba- the Babylonians at this point um, with Josiah they kind of have a treaty and they're treating them kind of nice and they're letting them letting them live in that area without wiping them out because they're paying them a tribute and they're behaving uh, and, and it's, it's working um, in, in, at this point with Josiah. And we see as you go in the history of this, you'll actually see other kings who rebel against them. Uh, in fact, that will be the end of the, the nation. We'll see that in here in just a minute. We're going to look at both ends of Jeremiah's ministry. And how it gets started, but Jeremiah served for approximately forty years, and his his service started in the reign of Josiah. Now, if you turn to Second Kings, we're gonna uh, we're gonna look at a couple of key details that happen in this. But turn to Second Kings, twenty three, and you're gonna get to meet Josiah. Actually, just part of part of his ministry. Second Kings chapter twenty three, starting in verse twenty one, says this: and the king commanded all the people. Keep the Passover to the Lord your God, as it is written in the book of the covenant. For no such Passover has been kept since the days of the judges who judged Israel, or during all the days of the kings of Israel, or the kings of Judah. But in the 18th year of King Josiah, this Passover was kept to the Lord in Jerusalem. Moreover, Josiah put away the mediums and the necromancers and the household gods and the idols and all of the abominations that were seen in the land of Judah and in Jerusalem that he might establish the words of the law that were written in the book that Hilkiah the priest found in the house of the Lord. Before him there was no king like him who turned to the Lord with all his heart and with, his, with all his soul and with all his might according to all the laws of Moses, nor did any like him arise after him. And one of the cool things I think that is, that's uh just an amazing reality. You, you see Hilkiah, which is uh, uh, Jeremiah's father. I'm, what I'm worried about is that I'm going to say Josiah, Jeremiah, Hilkiah, Zechariah, Jer-, and I'm going to be messing all these names up. So I'm trying to make sure I'm I'm staying on track with these guys. So um, if if I do start saying random names, just open your Bible and see who I mean. Okay, if you guys are in the text, it will really help you stay with me on this. But did you see what happens? It's actually in the 18th year of Josiah's ministry that the word of the Lord, the law of God is found in the temple by Jeremiah's father. And so here you got Jeremiah's ministry that started in the in in the thirteenth year of Josiah's reign, the eighteenth year of Josiah's reign. He begins to bring this complete uh, turnaround. It's this he restores the Passover, he removes the idols, he he takes the nation and he redirects them back to God in this eighteenth year of Josiah's reign. And th- this is where Jeremiah is a prophet. To these people, so they start out with, with the people who are in idolatry, who are who are not following God, not honoring the Passover, not worshiping God, but worshiping every other idol uh, with mediums and necromancers and idol- idolatry everywhere. And that's where Jeremiah's prophecy starts. That's where his ministry as a prophet begins, and, and and Josiah responds to the word of the Lord when it's found and when it's read, and he turns the nation of Israel around, and that's that's in right around five years after Jeremiah became a prophet. So he gets to see this amazing thing. Another cool piece to this is if you actually go back and look at the nation of Israel and its Babylonian captivity and all this stuff that's happening, uh, Daniel, one of the, another prophet, he's actually in ministry at this time, but he's been taken back to uh, Nebuchadnezzar back in Babylon. And so he's in his ministry. The book of Daniel is written right around the same time of what Jeremiah is doing. And so if you, if you want to see some of the other things that are happening at that time, you can go back and read the book of Daniel right along with Jeremiah. In fact, uh, the details of that, uh, Daniel's actually taken captive right around the third year of Jehoiakim, which is the, the Josiah's son that takes over after Josiah dies. Uh, he's the first king that we see mentioned here in, in, behind just Josiah in Jeremiah's text. And it goes until the 11th year of Zedekiah, which we see, if you open your books, it's just, it, well, my Bible's one page away. Second uh, Kings 24,
3: <clears throat> verses 18 through 20. Second Kings, uh, ooh, that's
4: 25, there's 24, uh, 18 through 20. Zedekiah was 21 years old when he became king and he reigned 11 years in Jerusalem. His mother's name was Hamutal, uh, the daughter of Jeremiah of Libanah. And he did what was evil in the sight of the Lord, according to all that Jehoiakim had done. For because of the anger of the Lord, it came to the point in Jerusalem and Judah that he cast them out from his presence. And Zedekiah rebelled against the king of Babylon. And chapter 25 in Second Kings begins to tell the story of their captivity and the fall of Judah. Did you see what he said about Zedekiah? He and Jehoiakim did not follow the Lord. They turned away from the, the, the faithfulness of their father who followed God. And I love what 2 Kings said. Uh, Josiah followed the, followed the Lord with all of his heart and all of his might. He followed the Lord very similarly to how David followed the Lord, one of the, one of the great king, kings of Israel. So you get to see the picture of what Jeremiah is prophesying in, right? He starts off with idolatry. He gets to see the repentance, the, this transformation of Josiah's kingdom uh, or Josiah's reign where he turns the whole kingdom back to following the Lord and they're they're observing the Passover and people are worshiping God and, and there's great blessing in that. And then he gets to watch Josiah's sons walk away from the Lord and, and his prophecy and we'll actually get to see that in the text uh, as he starts to prophesy against their their adultery and against their rebellion to the Lord. Isn't that wonderful? Do, you, do you, guys, you guys think about your life? If you get, actually got to watch something be good and then go bad?
3: Isn't that great? Don't you just love it when God calls you into ministry in that setting? It's wonderful stuff, right? Painful when you see children go in the wrong direction.
4: Um, Jeremiah has been, at times been called the weeping prophet. Um, and I want to save the titles at this point. Let's wait till we get through it, and then we'll see if we're, if we're all crying, then maybe we'll agree with that. Maybe it is the Weeping Prophet. I don't know. Um, I, I've, I've heard other guys challenge that theory or that, that title it has been given. What we know about Jeremiah, though, is that he's entering into a, a mixed bag of ministry. He has a great opportunity with Josiah. And then the end of his ministry encompasses a great deal of pain and, and even suffering. Now, one of the challenges I wanted to share with you before we actually jump into the text this morning is the difficulties in dealing with Jeremiah. And in my notes, um, I, again, I haven't seen a bulletin. Does somebody have the bulletin? I just want to see what I'm not seeing so that I'll know what I didn't put in. Okay, you guys, that's awesome. Um. <laughs> So, you guys do not have what I have, which I want to make available to you because I think it would be really good for you to see it. See, it's right here. Um, but there's, there's a number of different types of literature. The first one is autobiography. Uh, and the autobiography runs, it's specifically one of the main texts is right here that we're looking at this morning. It's chapter 1, verses 4 through 19. And then we get into other, uh, another type of, of literature, and it's long poetic discourses. In uh, one of those sections is uh, chapter 2, uh, verse 1, through chapter 6, verse 30. You get this long poem, and, and it's, it's his discourse on, in a poetic form of writing, which is really different than an autobiography. Then you see two different types of sermons. You've got an oral sermon, uh, which is uh, chapters one or chapter seven, uh, one through eight, three, and, and also in chapter twenty-six. And the reason I'm sharing this with you, I just want you to see the vast number of things. I'm not expecting you to write all this down. Don't don't panic. Um, if you if you really want to look into it, I will get you these details. We'll make them available. But I wanted. I just want you to see the complexity of the text. There's a lot of stuff happening in here, and it's written very differently. Um, the the fourth point, or the fourth type of literature, is written sermons. There's specifically there's one text, uh, chapter thirty six, one through eight. That's a physical written sermon that was given. He didn't he didn't actually uh, share that one in an oral fashion. It it, it appears it was actually handed to uh, an individual, and and we'll find out as we get through the text um, what the details are. There we have historical nar- uh, historical narratives. Chapter 37 through 43, 13, huge section of the text is a historical narrative telling the story of what's happening in the history of those events. He has specific messages to individuals in in chapter 45, and then there's also messages denouncing foreign nations. So there's a specific areas where he's actually going after foreign nations and the behavior in them, and that's chapters 46 through 51. On top of all of those different types of writing, it's not set up in chronological order. So it's, it, it doesn't just follow a, a system. We can't, we're not going to be able to just read chapter 1 through chapter 60 and get there someday. It, it's actually a collection of writings of Jeremiah, and there's all kinds of thoughts as to what happened. Um, I believe at one point it actually talks about one of the kings burning what he had written, and so they went back and rewrote passages of it. Uh, so it, it was during a very uh, tumultuous time in the history of, of Judah, and it created some real challenges in, in passing the information on. And, and so that's what we're dealing with. That's the scope of the book. That's the complexities of some of the things, and I'm sure I've missed details that, that we could spend most of the afternoon in. But I really wanted to get into the text a little bit and look at one of the, one of the cool parts of how the text begins. Because we start off Jeremiah's call with, I believe, a focus on who God is, not on who Jeremiah is. And I think that that's amazing. Because when we start thinking about God calling people into ministry or calling them into
3: a, a, the call of their life, uh, who he is matters deeply. Right? Yes. Thank you. A few of you are nodding your heads. You're, there's no, we're not calling anybody out
4: for prophecy work today. So if you engage with me, you're not signing up for nothing, I promise. It's safe to engage. So let's jump in and look at the first section that we have here uh, after after we see the introduction of Jeremiah and the and his time frame in ministry when he was called. we see We start in verse 4, and we're going to look at verse 4 and 5, and it says this, Now the word of the Lord came to me, saying, Before I formed you in the womb, I knew you. Before you were born, I consecrated you you a prophet to the nations. And now I'm a little bit nervous because somewhere in the you a prophet to the nations is where my delete button took over. So I'm really not even sure if I've got all that in there. So if I'm missing, a, is that what it says? I appoint you a prophet to the nations. There you go, see? I, I, was, I was, didn't quite have my confidence that my English. Maybe I should have told the Lord I can't speak either. <laughs> I did, he didn't listen. Uh, so the first thing that we see is the title of the person that's coming to engage with him, and I love this. Uh, when you uh, when when you go in and look at the titles, Daniel talks about his visions. Isaiah talks about the visions. But when you go and look at some of the other prophets that are prophesying at this time, they use the same title when they talk about the word of the Lord coming to them. Um, the 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 end of um, the Hosea. Um, Amon, uh, or Amos and, and the, the Haggai and the prophets, these Old Testament prophets, they actually use the same title. Now, the word of the Lord came to me saying. When you think of the word of the Lord, what do you think of? Yeah, we think of Jesus, right? We go, because you go to John chapter 1 where Jesus is described, and John takes painstaking efforts to make sure that we understand how this relationship works between the word and God himself, right? That's John chapter one, and we're not going to read all of it. Just verse fourteen, John chapter one, verse fourteen. It's bringing that whole discussion to completion in John chapter one, verse fourteen. And he says, "And the Word became flesh and dwelt among us, and we have seen his glory, glory as the as the only Son from the Father, full of grace and truth." And before that, in the text, it actually describes who this word was, when he was, who was with him, who he was while he was with him. It's, it's Jesus who is the Son of God. The very person of God showed up in this discussion with Jeremiah. Is that important to the words that he shares after this point? Very, very much so especially when you begin to see what he says to the nation of Israel. It's important that this I am, that this creator God, the God of uh, of the Jews, the God of Moses, Abraham, Isaac, that God, it's incredibly important that we know who this is, and that's the title that we see in the opening segment. Now, the word of the Lord, the word of Yahweh, came to me saying, before I formed you, I
3: knew you. Before I formed you, I knew you. What I love about this process that is awesome. You gotta love it when you jump ahead and start taking out notes before you're ready. I'm finding my place again. Give me just a moment. The uh
4: the amazing part of this text is um, is the who God is describing himself to jeremiah he 's reminding him who he is uh, and and we see this idea that that before he was formed, before he was born, God was, knew him, he knew him in that state, and uh, we see that in a couple of texts uh, isaiah forty four verses one and two says this, but now hear, O Jacob, my servant, Israel, whom I have chosen, thus says the Lord, who made you, who formed you from the womb, and will help you, fear not, O Jacob, my servant, uh, Jeshua run whom I have chosen. Isaiah says God even God describes the nation of Israel that way. I've known you all before you were formed before you were born I knew you. We see that that same language in Psalm chapter 139. King David describing his relationship with the Lord. He starts in verse 13 and he says this. when as
3: yet there was none of them. Do you think God thinks we're an accident? Do you ever feel like you were an accident? I think we do at times. I think we look at our lives and we're like, God,
4: did you really mean for this to happen? Is this really what your plan was? And I, I feel insignificant. I feel like I have no value. We're going to look at that next week with Jeremiah, I think. But but the reality is is that as God is describing himself to Jeremiah, he doesn't start off with asking, hey, Jeremiah, how you doing? How do you feel about your relationship between you and me? Where where are you at in that? Let, Let me address some issues of weakness that you might have in your view of yourself and me. He goes right off the bat. He goes, I just want to remind you who I am. Before you respond to my request, I just want to remind you who I am. I'm the God that made you. I'm the God that designed you. I'm the God that formed you in your mother's womb before
3: you were born. I formed you, and I knew you. Not,
4: not, in, the, not in the knowledge way, and, and like I know uh, my car, or, or I know I know something that I love deeply, but there's a there's an intimacy that comes in in, in marriage, right? We we you see this with uh, with older couples as they're as they're married for many 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 years. And I don't know if you guys have ever watched them, but they do cute weird things, right? They finish each other's sentences. They they do weird stuff with their food. Like sometimes they'll eat one another's foods or they'll eat part of one another's food. Um, and and like you know you'll get a dish and some of them will take pieces of that and then they're just cute little things that they do. If you haven't experienced that, don't worry. It'll happen for you too. It happens to all of the all of people as we get older and we're married for a long period of time. It's, it's wonderful. It's, it's actually the picture of intimacy. You begin to know one another. You're, 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 even the things that you like, you, you tend to start to, I'm going to say it this way, you begin to tolerate one another's likes more. And, and I say that way because my, my grandfather, uh, we found out after grandma died that he didn't like ice cream. And for like 40 years, he ate ice cream before he went to bed every night with grandma. He hates ice cream. My dad brought him his ice cream. After grandma died, he brought him his his ice cream. He's like, I am not eating another one of those ever. And my dad was like, but dad, you love, you've
3: always had ice cream. You always have ice cream. Like it's a thing. And he goes, nope. I did that for your mom. Really, okay. Intimacy, this, this, this relationship
4: that is deeper than just the knowledge of it's, it's a, it's, it's, it's a deep knowing, and, and that's what God's saying to Jeremiah. I've, I knew you before you were born. I formed your inward parts. In fact. Part of what I love about the, the way that the Hebrew does use the language is, if you, you go all the way back to Genesis, look at Genesis 2.7, we actually watch this specific description of the creation of men. We, we see all of the earth is created, there is, things are spoke into existence, but when it comes to mankind, he actually gives a very descriptive uh, um, um, explanation for what's happening, and that's in chapter 2, verse 7. It says this, And then... The Lord God formed the man of dust from the ground and breathed into his nostrils the breath of life, and the man became a living creature. There's this intentionality that God has placed into every
3: human life that he has formed. According to this, it's before they were born. In fact, according to
4: David, it's, it's while they were still in their unformed parts. He knew him. He recognized him in that spot. Now that's that's why abortion is such a hot topic in the church. And it should be a hot topic in the church. We believe from scripture that life happens before we're aware of it. But the God of the universe says, I
3: knew you in this form. I knew you at this point. Does that make you feel any better? About your life? You know, it, it could. It should. But don't you guys ever get, you, you, do
4: you ever notice in your own heart, you're like, yeah, that's true, but then why am I such a goofball? You know, why do I mess stuff up so much then? Or why is, why is life such a challenge? If God did all this stuff and, he, and he's, he's known all these things and he's made this plan for me, then, man, Lord, why do I feel like a failure all the time? I want to encourage you. I think that as we go through the book of Jeremiah, you're going to hopefully find a comrade. If that is how you feel about life, you will find somebody that has similar feelings at times, that looks at his life and at his ministry, and I think is at times is very frustrated. So it's okay to be frustrated, but I love the fact that God starts off with this. This is, this is, like, this is his welcome mat. He's like, hey, just so before we even start this relationship, don't forget
3: who I am because it will help you to not forget who you are. It says, before you were born. You see the repetition that, that he's doing here with Jeremiah? Verse 5, before I formed you in the womb, I knew you. Before you were born, I set you apart. I consecrated you. I have a purpose for you. I appoint you a prophet to the nations.
4: I love what Paul reminds us of this for you and for me of what our purposes are on this earth that it's not by chance in Ephesians 2.10, right? He says uh, for we are his workmanship created in Christ Jesus for good works which God prepared beforehand that we should walk in them. One of the reasons that I'm I'm, I'm pulling from uh, the breadth of scripture in this process is I want you to see that this is not a one-time thing. Jeremiah did not get a special, a special uh, situation when God showed up and said hey, by the way, I knew you before you were born. I had this planned a long time ago. This has all been, it's all part of my work. You're exactly who I need for this job. That's not an unusual thing for God to do. In fact, uh, that's what I love about what Paul says is that it's actually the plan for every believer. Is that we're his workmanship. He's designed us for a purpose. Now, Lord willing, none of us will have to do Jeremiah's job. Right? Let's just be honest. I don't want a prophet's job. That was horrible work. You look at you watch the Old Testament prophets, and very, very, very few of them were liked by the people that they went to. Very few. And the one that was, God sent him to the Ninevites. Jonah was pretty popular because he had he actually had a a positive prophecy come through, actually happen for, I believe it was for Israel. uh, Yeah, for Israel. And and right after
3: that, God sends him to Nineveh. Ah, Things were going good here for me, Lord. He has a purpose and a plan for each one of us. It's not a random thing. I know at times young men look like they might be monkeys, but they're not from monkeys. We called ours uh, Tasmanian devils
4: because when the four of them were together and young, it literally looked like hurricanes moving around
3: whatever was happening. Their bedrooms still look a little like hurricanes, were there? The truth is, brothers and sisters, that uh, I think that
4: there are times where we look at Old Testament stories and, and we almost become detached from the reality of the life that was happening in them. But Jeremiah is a young man who has hopes and, and aspirations for, for his life, And God comes in and says, I have a plan for you. And my guess is from Jeremiah's response that it didn't line up with what he thought his plan was going to be. It wasn't exactly what he had intended uh, to do.
3: And so he faces a, a, a pretty significant challenge.
4: And I feel like uh, as, as I know we can't get, I'm not, I'm not going to worry about trying to get to more. We're going to look at Jeremiah's response and God's response to him next week. It's going to be a two-part process, which I just, I love the fact that I, I'm telling you we're going to do this big overview view of this thing, and we're going to take, take three weeks to get through 10 verses, but it's okay. We're, 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 we are going to speed up at some point in time. I I'm not going to promise, but that's the plan. That is the plan. But when you start thinking about this idea that God appointed him as a prophet to the nation, that God knew him before he was born, that that he consecrated him, he set him apart. The challenge, the wrestle that I have in my heart is I wonder if we as the church recognize God's intent and purpose for you and for me. Any of you ever think to yourself that, well, because I'm not a pastor, because I'm not a worship leader, because I'm not a, an elder, or because I'm not a missionary, that that I, I just don't have as much to do. I'm not as important in the kingdom. I, I had a, I had a senior saint share with, that with me one time a, a number of years back. He came up and he said, if only I'd lived a better life, I could have maybe been a pastor or a missionary. He was discounting his own personal walk with God, the potential that God could use him for, because he didn't have a title he didn't have a title, and unfortunately, in in our church today, I think our titles are are a little they're a little too important. They're, we should get back to maybe where Jeremiah is at, where we remind us who God is first before we worry about whatever titles we carry in the church. But it, I believe, and I believe you'll see this. We'll see this in this next text, in the, our last text actually this morning. I believe that God says every one of His disciples is infinitely valuable
3: in His kingdom work. Every one of you. Every one of you have the same value in the kingdom work of God. Every one of us have the same value in the kingdom work of God. Even if you feel like you don't. Even if you,
4: you feel like you don't speak well, you could be like me and have a hard time reading
3: in public and get a job that requires you to read in public. It's great. God has a plan and a purpose and a value. Look at, look at what he says in Ephesians. Ephesians chapter 4. I'm going to read a little bit longer passage, so just settle in. Get your
4: fingers ready to turn your pages or or however you turn your pages on your Bible. Ephesians chapter 4, verse 1. I
3: therefore a prisoner for the Lord. Okay, let that sink in for just a minute. What was Paul's occupation? He was an apostle. What was his current residence and job description?
4: Prisoner for the Lord. <laughs> I, don't, I don't know if that came in the application process. Disciple, apostle, prisoner. But Paul starts off with this. Do you see that? I therefore a prisoner for the Lord urge you to walk in a manner worthy of the calling to which you have been called with all humility and gentleness, with patience, bearing with one another
3: in love, eager to maintain the unity of the Spirit and the bond of peace. There is one body, one Spirit, just as you were called to the one
4: hope that belongs to your call. One Lord, one faith, one baptism, There's a few key things that we see in here. One at the, at the very end there, you actually see it described as that this happens, this process of, of unity and maturity and the body being equipped for ministry. All of this stuff is part of what God has designed for us to do so that each part that the body is equipped with, when they're doing their part, did you catch that at the end? From whom the whole body joined together and held together by every every joint with which it is equipped, when each part is working properly, makes the body grow so that it builds itself up in love. Are you a pinky toe? Doesn't matter. Doesn't matter. Armpits? Doesn't matter. Do you see that? Every part. When it's doing what it's been given to the body to do, when it works together, the body builds itself up in love. The purpose of the church is not to get a few professionals in or not to get the other the, the apostles and prophets and evangelists, get them to do their job. The purpose of the church is that all of us are growing together to, work, to do the work of the ministry. Every person involved in whatever God's called them to do, whoever you are. So if you are a believer of God, you have a call on your life just like Jeremiah does. I'd encourage you to tell him what's wrong with that design. It would be great. It really works. You go and talk to him about it, and then he explains to you why he's right and you're wrong. It's a great conversation, and we should all have it. Why do you guys think you're not qualified? Why do I think I'm not qualified? I've shared with him why I'm not qualified. I know why I'm not qualified to do what I do.
3: And I've talked to him about it. Lord, (laughs) I don't want to do this. Each one of us comes into our ministry, each one of
4: us looks at, I think, the relationship with the Lord very much like Jeremiah does, and I think wisely, because even being called into ministry, if we are his craftsmanship, if he has a purpose for us, if our design is to follow and serve and, and to reflect the glory of this king, the glory of a God who knows us before we are born, who knows us in, in our, the most the most early possible situation before we're even conceived, He's known us and knows the days and He's planned us for that event. And He's planned out the good things for the, that we should be doing. That's intimidating to me. I think humbly we should approach that and say, God, ah, uh,
3: but I want to encourage you that God started off this way with Jeremiah on purpose. Because our qualifications
4: do not determine whether or not we're called into ministry or not. Our, our, our view of our abilities do not determine whether God has made us to be a part of the body, a body part specifically for this
3: particular body. What I love about that, you guys, is he's not going to give us, not all of us are going to be a pinky toe. That would not work very well, would it? If all you had on your hands were pinky toes, we'd get nothing done. God made us all different. Everybody's unique. Jeremiah's being called for a specific purpose.
4: Before we get wrapped up and we start walking through what he's been called for, I want to really encourage you to wrestle with what I'm wrestling with this week. Is recognizing that the call of God is on every one of our lives.
3: If you are a child of God, then you have been designed by the creator God on purpose, for a purpose. Yay. Do you know what it is? You know, I think one of the challenges is that we in the church, we,
4: we call ministry what I do. We call this full time ministry. Pastors are full time ministers. Did you, from what I'm reading in the scripture, there isn't any part time ministry. I don't know what part time ministry is. I have a I have a responsibility as part of the leadership, part of part of the the role of of a pastor teacher to equip so that the body can do the work of the ministry. you know what I've realized in my own life? That still means I have to be involved in ministry. I don't get to just sit back and like, hey, you should do this, and you should do this, and you should do this, and this is what God... And then, and then take the rest of the week off.
3: That's not ministry. So I, I'm responsible to be involved in ministry even when I'm here. But... but
4: what the pastor does, what Julie does, Julie does full-time ministry. But uh, what, what most other people, <laughs> she has to work with me, so it's full-time ministry. Um, but, but the reality is, is the, you know, what we do, what, what, what we're paid to do in the church, even, even you guys, what we do on Sunday morning, it's part of the ministry, but it's not all that there is. The ministry happens by the church every day of the week. There's phone calls that happen uh, to friends who lost loved ones this week. That's ministry. There's walks that happen where people are out walking and, and talking and caring for one another. There's confrontation that happens. There's, there's concern that happens. There's, uh, all of those things happen during the week. That's
3: body life. Some of you ran into unsaved people this week. That's ministry. I think the part about ministry I don't like is when I'm... When I'm the sore
4: that other people have to come and help. Don't you guys hate it when you're the one that needs the help? I don't mind being the I don't mind being the pinky toe except for when I'm stubbed. I don't like being the one that's hurting cuz then people come and they make big deal
3: about it and they're like, "Hey, let's see your pinky toe." I hate that. We don't but sometimes that's what God calls us into as well. Sometimes God says, I I need you to be the one that's going to be served this week. You know, there's times where that's the ministry of the church is being humble enough to be served. Kind of stinks. Do you know what God called you to? Paul tells us in chapter 4 of Ephesians a great deal about that
4: call. I want to encourage you this week. If you're if you're not sure what your call is, if if you if you feel like if you feel maybe like Jeremiah here, that Lord, I'm not I'm not able to do this job. This is beyond me. I'm not capable. I'm not qualified. Nobody's going to listen to me. I want to encourage you to jump into Ephesians and and reread that that section in chapter four. Be, Be reminded that that this God that's calling Jeremiah is the same God that that formed you and that formed me. He's the same God that, that set the grace down in, in Ephesians 2, 8, 9, and 10 and has made us for His purposes, have us a plan for our lives and has set us here in this body, in this location, in this time for
3: a reason, for a valuable kingdom purpose. So the question is, what are we going to do? How are we going to respond to this? I'm going to look at that next week. <laughs> I love that.
4: Is that, you know, I don't know if you guys, watch, you guys watch any TV shows, but they always cut it off, like, right when you think, give us, what's the next thing? I'm, I'm trying to do that this week, so, like, you have to come back next week. Except for we have it on video, so I guess that doesn't really work. But anyway. I really want to encourage you to wrestle with that this week. What has God called you to do? Do you feel unqualified? Good. Go to Him and tell Him about it. Are you worried about what He's called you to do? Is it too big? Good. Go to Him and talk to Him about it. Are you terrified by the possibilities that He could be calling you? Good. Go to Him and talk to Him about it. God has a plan and a purpose for every one of His children, and it's by design. And he reminds Jeremiah of that this morning. Don't forget, don't forget when I knew you. Don't forget who I am.
3: I'm the one that formed you. I'm the one that made you for this purpose. Now go. Next week, we'll look at his response. But this week, I had to really ask myself, okay, Lord, I guess I have to stop complaining
4: about having to teach this text. I've tried to get out of it Been telling the guys I've been studying with. I've been trying to find another book to preach for almost six months. Lord, I really don't want to preach Jeremiah.
3: I don't like it.
4: But here we go. You guys in for the ride? Will you stick with me at least for a year? Okay, well, I don't want to get a commitment out of a few of you. so I am excited about... I'm excited about the text, and I'm excited about the fact that God tends to do amazing things when we have less confidence in ourselves and we find ourselves more dependent on him. And so that's my challenge for you guys. That's what I want us to wrestle with, this this process of going through Jeremiah. I think we should come to God's call in our life and say, Lord, I don't feel qualified. I don't feel skilled enough to do this. And then, and then we can watch God work as we pray and we humbly submit ourselves to his plan and his purpose as we go forward. So join me in prayer as we close this morning. Father, I do thank you that you are faithful, that even when you call us into things that we are fearful of, God, that you provide everything we need. And I'm always amazed that um, even though you're the creator of time, you don't wear a watch. Uh, it, it can oftentimes, in my life, it's felt like you've either been late or way ahead of schedule. Uh, and yet, in retrospect, as I look back, I realize you were always right on time. And mostly probably because I needed to trust you more. Father, as we think about what it is you're calling Jeremiah into, as we watch, as we watch the challenges that he experiences, God, as we watch you promise him safety, and protection, and then we watch the results of his life. God, I pray that you would overhaul our hearts and our view of who you are, that you would transform our view of what it means to be your children, of what it means to be obedient, to walk with you and to live in obedience to your word, to your to, who, to Your character, and that, God, you would use this book of Jeremiah and the life of Israel, the life of Jeremiah, or the life of Judah in the life of Jeremiah and, and all of the, the wonderful moments that you extend grace to a rebellious people and all of the tragic moments where a rebellious people rejects you, God, that you would use that to transform our
3: hearts and that we would come out of this time of being in this book more dependent and more surrendered to you as King of Kings and Lord of Lords.
4: And that our worship of you would be more, more rich and more meaningful. That our faithfulness and discipleship, uh, our disciple uh, lifestyles of following you, would be more life encompassing. That we would not just show up to church on Sunday and do church, but God, that we would, we would become your church every day of the week. And I pray that f- for each one of us, God, that we would find a value in ministry. That we would find our purpose in your craftsmanship and call on our life. That would be beyond the form of human church, beyond the, 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 the structures of our current church model, God, and we would see your purposes in each of our life. And that through that process, Father, you would take all the glory and your kingdom would go
3: forward in advance in its work and its purposes and your name would be exalted.
4: God, help us to to grow in in our faithfulness and our obedience to you as we study this book together. And I pray, Lord, that each week you would bring the word through whoever's preaching, God, that you would speak through us who are, I feel, inadequate and am desperate for your provision in all of these things, for your guidance and your direction. And I pray that for every week that we engage in the study of your word, that you would provide and you would guide us. We give you the praise and glory and look forward to our time uh, in our fellowship lunch. And even as we make decisions, Lord, we pray for your wisdom in those things and that you would go ahead of us and that you would lay out the plan so that even people like us could see it and follow it. We would hear from you very clearly, Lord. We give you all the praise and all the glory for what you're going to do. We ask it in your son's name, Jesus Christ. Amen.
0: Jesus Christ himself and God our Father who loved us and by grace gave us eternal comfort and good hope, encourage your hearts and strengthen you in every good thing you do or say. Amen. Have a good week.